we'd been through every single emotion I, I can think of, where we were, you know, loving what we were, to hating where we were, to panicking, and then relief. We'd been through the whole spectrum. Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travelers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Hello there. Welcome back to the Travel Stories Podcast. How's it going? A few things to get through today. Firstly, I got an email from Gerard Carton, or Jerry from Derry, as he is from Derry in Northern Ireland. Jerry from Derry, I love that. And he emailed me, Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. I do answer everything, as you know, as Jerry Nan knows as well. He says, only came across your podcasts very recently. I think they're great. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. And I'm busy downloading past programs. Very nice of you. In case I've missed it, you mentioned a book you were given in one, a biography of A.C. Bhaktivedanta. Google and Amazon are very handy for spelling. Thank you very much, Jerry. Being told it would change your life. Well, did it? Or have you even read it? <laughs> so, Jerry, I did read it, and what I took from it was, so this guy, I'll say it again, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, he, he had a goal, he had a mission, and there were, whenever you have a mission or a goal, there's plenty of roadblocks in the way, there's plenty of things that happen that stop you from achieving that goal, be it people, places, things, whatever happens, but I feel like he saw these roadblocks, not as ro- roadblocks, but as hurdles. They were complete, it was completely achievable to get over these things and to continue pressing on forward, which is what he did. And that's something I definitely take with, or took with me from the book, rather. And yeah, I still, I still kind of use that every day. I still think of that quite a lot. And incidentally, with that book, I finished reading it when I was in Vietnam, in the center of Vietnam somewhere. And I was in a place that it wasn't a hotel, it was someone's house, but they'd kind of, they had a room there that whenever people were there, which was never, uh, they would stay there. So if you're in the central, if you're in central Vietnam anytime soon, and if you're any place you're in, check the cupboard, because I left this book in the cupboard. I wrote on the other side of the front page, I can't remember what I wrote. I'd love to see it again, but I wrote something like, this book will yada, 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 Hayden Lee. Put my email address on there. So if you're in central Vietnam, keep an eye out for that book. Like Jerry says, and like I say, it is a fantastic book. He goes on to say, I'm off to Boston for a few days in October on my own. Not as adventurous as your trips, but it's a start, I suppose. Do you know of any podcasts giving me tips of places to visit there or in surrounding areas? Now, it is a start, and a start is all that you need really it doesn't matter how adventurous we've been through this before listen back to the nathaniel boyle episode it doesn't matter how adventurous you think your adventure is for yourself adventure changes for me adventure is different to someone that goes hang gliding every other day adventure is completely relative so it's great that you're going to start as for podcasts i'm not too sure man this is why I thought it'd be best to throw it over to the audience. If anyone knows any podcasts about Boston, what to do in Boston or anywhere in the surrounding areas, I think he's going to have a great time because an Irishman in Boston, come on, that's going to be great. I mean, all I can say is Massachusetts ice cream is amazing and you can go see where Steven Tyler grew up. I said that in an email back to him, but that's all I got. So if any of you guys know of any podcasts or anything about Boston, traveling to Boston, email me. I'll pass it on to Jerry. 
Secondly, before we get to today's episode, this is a long intro. Secondly, next week's episode, you guys have been asking for this. Next week's episode is a story from myself. It is one of my stories. If you're listening to the Travel Journal and you don't want the ending of it rather spoiled, then... It's not often that podcasters say not to listen to an episode, but if you don't want to spoil it, I'd give it a miss. But if you're if you're happy with that, then go ahead. It's it's going to be a really fun episode. So stay stay tuned for that next Monday. On to today, man. This is a long intro. On to today, we have Sean Whitehead. Now I've known Sean for many many years. Remember we had Guy Earnshaw on. He was the bassist of my former band. Sean was the singer of my former band, and he has some great travel stories man and you can feel how how well we connect together man i love recording this episode and you know what i hope you guys love it too so let's dive in you're listening to the travel stories podcast and this is sean whitehead sean how's it going hey man hey lee how you doing Hey, I'm really good. Now, this is this is weird because we were in a band together, right? And I did have Guy Earnshaw, the bassist of the band, on, and now I have Sean Whitehead, the singer of the band. I've got to get through them all, man. I know. Yeah. Well, you're, you're halfway through. Yeah, I've got to get Gaz and Ed on. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Maybe we do... Um, oh, I was going to say, we didn't really try. if we travel together, we could have all four of us there. But Yeah, we toured this country. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I don't know if that's... It's not quite the same, yeah, or radio friendly. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think both. Yeah, good point. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've been really excited, actually, listening to quite a lot uh, recently, knowing that this was coming up as well. So I'm I'm in the flavor. Cool. I'm glad. And I'm really glad that you're part of the travel community, because when we were in a band together, I don't think you'd traveled much at that point. That was a few years ago. So... I'd, I've always traveled with family. Um, that's kind of been something that's been happening every year since I can remember, really. So there's always been, you know, Spain or the, like the Spanish islands, Portugal. So I'd, I'd done a lot of the Mediterranean. And then the other kind of holidays I had were just like weekends here and there with friends. Mm. Um, so, little, so Europe was traveled quite a lot. But then um, I visited a friend in Brazil uh, who's actually... Uh, features in the story that I'm going to tell today as well. Mm. Um, but I went to went to visit him in Brazil, and that's where I think I really caught the bug because it was just so different to everything else I'd kind of known that um, it it opened my eyes to what else is out there. Mm. You know, if you go to I mean go to the places I went on holiday when you're a kid, I mean it's basically England in the sun. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And for <laughs> the need... yeah, and for the US listeners, that's kind of like going down to Tijuana or Cancun, you know. Yeah, yeah. So ev- everyone speaks English, and you know, you can humour them with saying "gracias" in that accent. <laughs> in that accent, yeah. yeah. Gracias, gracias. Poor favor. <laughs> yeah. Poor favor. Uh, get us one of those. Poor favor. Yeah. <laughs> Pablo, poor favor, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you went so... to Brazil, and then um, so what about? What about that trip really, really nailed it home for you that there is so much out there and there's so much to explore? Do you know what? My, as soon as I got there, I was meeting my friend the next day and I had to um, stay over one night in Salvador on my own um, before I met him the next day. And I'd completely unprepared, un, um, underprepared for this kind of experience. So I get in the taxi and I'm like, uh, this is where my hotel is. 
I just got a blank expression and no English. And I was like, oh, mm. okay. <laughs> this is a game changer. So then I had this fiasco in the taxi trying to dig out as many different things as I could to help him find where this place was. And then I pulled up to the place and it was like, I was going through a neighborhood where I'm like, I hope it's not here. I hope it's not here. Oh my God, it's here. Went down an alleyway where there's no street lights and like, you know, had to buzz a door that was just locked and it was a dodgy gate. And I was like, I couldn't speak to the taxi driver to say, take me somewhere else. That's nice. I'll just pay you. Like, so I was like, well, I'm just kind of stuck in. And so went in and then spoke to the, the guy who luckily spoke a very, well, very little English, but at the time it felt, um, it felt loads. And I said, you know, is it safe to get a pizza for somewhere? Or a lot of food from somewhere? He said, yep, yeah, walk down this road, walk down there. Again, no one spoke any English, anything. And I had to kind of, um, navigate my way through just pointing and like a communication system based on pointing and, and, and all these kind of things. And eventually ordered this pizza. It was Americano. I was like, okay, I'm pretty satisfied that this is going to contain some meat and cheese. You know? <laughs> right. It came with peas on it. <laughs> and an egg. And an egg. <laughs> egg on a pizza like, is a weird one. Brazil and Australia, man. They, uh, for some reason, they both love that. It's weird. Yeah, so then I was stuck with this pizza, which I, you know, I, I was embarrassed. So I tried to eat as much as I could. But the guys were laughing at me. And then uh, I uh, walked back to this um, place that I called home for one evening. I went down the alleyway where there was no lights. Got to the kind of entrance of this place. And I was ringing the buzzer. And a car pulled up to me with black dye windows and just stayed next to me <laughs> while I wait, while, I, while the guy opened the door and mm. just stayed. And that, like, that whole experience is kind of horrific as it was in, in a way and how panicked I was at the whole time it was like an eye-opening experience I was like wow there's so much more to like just living a comfortable life and doing things the easy way you know there's like more paths to be carved out so um, and then that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the, the holiday really just doing things I've never done before constantly every day is a new adventure every day is a new language barrier to overcome and you know I ended up learning as you well know um you know, some Portuguese because I needed it and, um, when I was there and fell in love with learning languages and learning more about people and made some really good friends that I'm still in contact with now. But yeah, that was a really big, big kind of game changer for me. You touched on something that I really, really like to think about where you have a new adventure every day. And this is one of the things I always, always touch upon in these episodes where I think you have to be open to that new adventure. And I think this thing that happened to you on the first day and all these new exciting things are happening, that's kind of, it's throwing yourself in at the deep end in a way, you know? There's there's not a lot of ways that you can just dip your toe in it with that, with adventure, you know what I mean? I think something oh. has to happen where you go, yes, I'll go do that. And then it just sets you off on that trip. No, of course, of course, and I think um, it's too oft it's too easy to just book holidays and trips where you you don't really see anything. You know, it's too easy to just go soak up some sun and come back and drink some sangria or whatever it might be. But um, you know, if you really want that adventure, you've got to, I think. Um, well, now I do anyway. Certainly, is um, is book those places where. There, there aren't those kind of pathways already carved out for you, you know, where you're, you're kind of forced into carving them for yourself. Mm. Yeah, you're totally hitting on two popular travel phrases, which are um, a tourist doesn't know where he's been and a traveler doesn't know where he's going, which is uh, a phrase that I often love to hear. And the second one was 
take the road less traveled, which is something, again, that often comes up in these conversations. Taking the road less traveled, it... I think it always, well, I wouldn't say always, but I think it often leads you to new pathways and you can create your own pathways. And I like the way you accidentally did that. You know, you could have arrived in a place, be it Salvador or anywhere else, you could have arrived in a place, got to the hotel, had a shower and everything like that, and then gone out the next day. And, and then maybe this this need for adventure wouldn't have wouldn't have appeared. You know what I mean? No, 100%. It's, it's funny because... There have been holidays where I've traveled with other people recently um, where that kind of mindset creeps in as well. So a, a small example is my friends um, came with me to Iceland. And there was loads of things you could do with Iceland, but we chose to do a self-drive tour. So really, we had something that we were going to do on the second day at one, on one part of the island and then we had a four by four and we had to just make our way there but on the way we just took off onto loads of different um, routes and found loads of cool things one of them being we just drove up to a glacier we just drove all the way off the road onto a glacier and then walked onto it you know um, no footprints anywhere on it you know it's just we were the only people that had traveled there you know, it was one of those. And the second thing that happened was on our way back from driving somewhere, we saw this really cool spot. We we're like, oh, I bet just with the placement of the, where the mountains were that uh, we'd get a really good view of the Northern Lights. Mm. And lo and behold, the next day, uh, th that evening, we, uh, we went out there and just had this majestic performance happen in front of us. And that was all through us just, you know, taking our own route around the country and speaking to other people that had been to Iceland you know they always ask me the same things oh did you go to the Blue Lagoon did you go here did you go here and we did a little bit of that on the last day but it was completely you know populated with tourists everywhere you know it didn't feel the same it was a very different experience that last day but those three days before where we just took the road ourselves were amazing you know just one thing after another just adventure 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 uh, you know everything we looked at looked like a postcard you know and then that second day it was the last day it was very much different and it's interesting that those are the things that people ask me about more hmm. yeah iceland when, is so. very much one of those places where anything you kind of go and do or go and see is because i guess it's because it's so far away from where we're from you know and it's kind of it's so different and it's so visually stunning that it's one of those places you can just like you say go up to a, gl a glacier and just see see what's going on you know and everything yeah. is just so so majestic now you touched on something you were asking people for where to go and what to do what do you think about that like do you how do you know who to ask or how do you meet these people i know you've recently joined on couch surfing have you had any luck with that and what's your what are your thoughts on asking people where to go and what to do so um i do and i don't follow their advice it just depends on you know how my trip plans out so i'll it's always good to go there with i think some ideas of what to do um but you know and this touches on something you were speaking about with guy in a previous um podcast about not being married to your plans mm. you know uh, about having that freedom but you know certainly going to an um a place you've never been to having something that you can potentially go to is always good um but a lot i have a lot of friends that have traveled and i suppose there's my first point of call when when it comes to this i have just joined couch surfing mm. and i will be using that when i go on my trip to italy 
and Greece um, for that kind of reason. And it's it, this also actually relates to another point you guy were talking about, about planning. Because I'm doing a week in Rome and then a week in Athens. And Rome, there are so many things I want to see and want to do that I've kind of heavily planned that. So most days I know what I'm doing already. But with Athens, I've just booked a plane ticket and some accommodation and nothing. So, you know, I'm going to have two different experiences in those two places. So, you know, mm-hmm. couch surfing is going to really come in handy, hopefully, you know, um, for, um, for Athens. Because I have no agenda at all other than be in Athens. So mm. or be in Greece, really. Athens could just be a base. Yeah. So if there are any uh, couch surfers out there in Athens in August... Like a brother up, you know. <laughs> I can recommend Sean. He's he's an okay guy. He's not bad. Yeah, he's alright. Right. He'll I'm do. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm alright. <laughs> but I like the fact that you're um, doing both of the different ways. The first one, you're planning uh, where to go and what to do. You've got a list of things that you want to go and see and do. And the second one is just just fair game. Just see what happens. And I'd really be interested to find out how that goes. Find out which you preferred. Obviously, it depends on the place, but the the general experience of how it goes i'd love to hear about that when you get back man yeah definitely i mean from my perspective i'm far more anxious about greece mm. you know that's just a personal thing i like is it a good planned. anxiety or um or kind of you know i don't know it's just anxiety <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should go see someone about it but <laughs> yeah um but you know i'm a person that likes planning um mm. so it's it's, it's going to be an interesting experience for me personally, um, uh, you know, to, to kind of go through that and not having anything set in stone. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that, man. So today, you have a story for us today? I do indeed. Yeah. Awesome. Whereabouts does it take place? It takes uh, place in Austria. Austria. Okay, cool. I don't think we've had one from Austria yet, so I'm looking forward to it already. And what would you call this story? Somebody alp me. <laughs> I knew it would be a pun. I knew it would be a pun. <laughs> I was torn between that one and someone get me alp of here. <laughs> I prefer the first. <laughs> Somebody alp me. So I assume it takes place on the Alps. Uh, let's just get to it. You're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Sean Whitehead with Somebody Alp Me. So before I start the story about the actual journey itself that this trip takes place on. It's important to note that um, this trip took place on a European tour with a good friend of mine called John, who I was talking about before, who lived in Brazil. So myself and John have this uh, relationship whereby he always comes up with ideas and I always say, yep, that's cool. And often that can lead to some really cool adventures. Sometimes it leads us to situations that are a little bit compromised this being one of them so after doing some research for the european tour um, i looked at vienna which is one of the places that we're stopping at and noticed that it was very close to the alps we wanted to see the alps obviously we're not going to do any um, hiking we're just going to go look at the alps and i found this really cool trip to a place called the racks mountains you take a cable car all the way up and you see loads of different peaks and and the views down to the valley um, and the villages below. And then you have some more food and you come back down. It was perfect. So whilst we were on a Segway tour of Vienna, which I do recommend, it was hilarious, um, we were talking to the Segway guide and she was saying that, you know, it's very important that you check the weather all the time because 
um, the weather's too severe, then you can't go. And there was nothing for a couple of days, and we were running out of time. And then all of a sudden, um, I checked my phone, and it said that it was going to be clear the next day. So this was our opportunity. Bear in mind, this was maybe 10 at night or something like that, that this information had been acquired. So it really meant that we couldn't prepare at all. We just said, we need to get some sleep. We need to be on that um, train in the morning. So we had to wake up at like 5 o'clock or something like that. So we woke up early, packed our bags with a jacket, a bottle of water each, and a Snickers bar. and thought that we would go to the Alps. Walked ourselves to the Vienna uh, train station and had to catch like a local train for a couple of hours. In front of us we see these, you know, beautiful valleys forming and the train starts to go through these valleys and we see these beautiful mountains, but nothing, nothing too big, you know, something that seems quite manageable. Then they start to get a little bit bigger and then the train comes to a stop and we have to catch a little bus. Um, and this bus would take us to the barn where the cable car would start. Now, myself and John, we're trying to, as much as we can, find people to talk to that might speak a little bit of English to direct us on which bus to catch, where the stop is, and we bump into this couple. And this couple are equipped to the maximum. That's how I can describe them. So they have all the gear, and we thought these might be some good people to, to talk to. So we spoke to them, having a bit of a laugh and a joke, and we get on this bus with them, and they said that they're going to hike up. They're going to hike up, and John started asking about the hike, how long does it take? And the, the guy was saying that it was quite a short hike. Um, maybe four hours, very easy. So John was said to me, and this is what I was referring to later, John said, we should hike, don't you think? And I said, yes. Not really understanding what I just agreed to. And I don't really think John understood what he suggested. So we get um, a few more people come on the bus, and this time it's a big family well, say family, a group of older people. And they had even more equipment. And we were kind of laughing that we were in our jeans. We were just laughing at how underprepared we looked compared to these pros. So the bus driver pulls up to where the uh, cable car is and says, this is your stop. And we said, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to hike up. He said, are you sure? And looked at us quite surprised. We are like, no, we're sure, we're sure. At this time, we're just laughing and joking again, looking at these serious travellers, but during that time, and this is kind of the most important point, is the two travellers that we were talking to before had kind of headed off super quick. You know, they'd gone. They were already on their hike. And we were left walking up this road with just ourselves and the, the kind of older group. And then all of a sudden, the, the hike just starts. So you get off the road, up onto a verge, and it's not like a normal path. There's no railing. You are just hiking up the side of a mountain. And then you walk a little bit and then there were two forks in the road. And all of a sudden we have a decision to make. We either go left or right. And we looked at the, the group and they had a map, which we were loving now, but before mocking, and said, which way do we go? Now, none of them spoke German, um, English. And obviously, after Hallo, I was all out of German. So. I had to explain to them about a cable car in really broken English. They barely understood me, but thought that I needed to go to this place called Otto House. And me and John were like, okay, Otto House, we'll remember that. I hope that's the right place, but Otto House. And they pointed left whilst they went right. So we had to be 
well, we, we placed all our confidence in this, this one decision, but really had no idea where we were going. But we were still in high spirits. We were still in high spirits. We thought, well, it is a trail. It is going to lead somewhere. We're going to be fine. We started working up the trail and it's, it's going great, you know. It starts to get a bit steep and on the side of the mountain, they have kind of like iron stairs that they've nailed into the side of the mountain. And sometimes they have a, a rail and then other times it's just like a dirt track or a rocky track. And it starts to get a little bit steeper and we're quite, we're quite high. And we keep going and we keep going. And then all of a sudden it starts to get really steep. And all of a sudden it starts to get really narrow. And all of a sudden the railings just, and the stairs become very difficult to manage. And then the terrain kind of changes. So it's not as muddy as it was at the bottom and it's far more rocky and it's very unstable. And the, the drops at the side of where you're walking become far steeper. And it's a little bit concerning, but we're, we're, we're confident that it can't go on forever and that, you know, it will be fine, it will be fine. And then it keeps getting even worse, even more rocky, even less traction, more rocks falling apart, narrow, the, the paths are narrowing. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I did not sign up for this this morning at all. I came here for a cable cart ride and some dinner. And now I find myself walking up a mountain. I turned a corner and we get to this. This is a pivotal part of the mountain journey for me. And to the right is a sheer drop. And to the left is a grass bank, which is a very high gradient. And there's nothing to hold on to. So I'm walking along it and I'm looking below me at the, the drop. You would not survive the fall. And I lean myself against the grass bank. I'm clutching onto the grass with my hands. My hands are sweaty. And I just said, John, I can't do this. I cannot go this any further. I cannot travel any further on this road. I need to go back down. I need to go back down. I start panicking. I start having this weird panic attack, which is obviously not the place I want to have a panic attack. And John was trying to talk to me and talk sense to me. He was saying, look, you can't go down this mountain. And John did what any good friend did. And he just walked off. He just left me there. I composed myself. And I walked around that corner and I'd never been so scared in my life. But I got through it. I got through it. And, you know, there was a couple more corners like that. But then it started to start to even out. It started to be less, less steep. And with every kind of bend that we went round. And then it kind of turned into a bit more of like a forest on a mountain. Anyway, we're about two and a half hours in now. So we've gone over the first panic experience. And we're about to enter another one. We soon realised that we're just walking up a mountain and then we don't know where we're going at all. We have no sign, we have no map, we have nothing. We've got two bottles of water, one of which I left on the bus. So now we have one bottle of water and a Snickers bar. And John starts to really struggle with the physical demands of the mountain. And he starts to panic because we've got no water. So now all of a sudden the roles have reversed and it's my turn to kind of coach him through it. And I have to give up the water and give it to him. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, he's right. I don't know where we're going, but I couldn't utter that to him. I had to keep being really positive. And we kept walking. And it got to the point where we'd walk 20 yards and then need a break. 20 yards and need a break because the, the air got thinner. The panic started to set in and made our bodies not function the way they normally would. So we keep going and we keep going and then the whole thing, the whole way through, my own, my only mantra to John is, it's a trail, it must go somewhere. 
and that's it. It must go somewhere. There must be something at the top. There must be something at the top. And the other thing we kept saying is it can't go on forever. And we kept walking and we kept walking. Another hour went by. I remember looking at the uh, off the side of the mountain and we could see some bushes um, and we were talking about it. And then we just realized that there were trees. Like We traveled so far in, in this one direction, just going up and up and up that we traveled an uncomprehendable to us like distance. And we started to really panic then. We started to really panic. Every time we got to the kind of brow of the hill, another one would appear and we just kept walking. And eventually we do get to the top and there was nothing there. Everything that I'd kind of been promising John had been taken from me and we were just left on this mountain. I was looking at my phone, I had no signal and I was thinking, oh no, we are those guys. We are that newspaper story. We could be on our way to Italy for all I know. We're going to have to start making smoke signals or something. This is crazy because there was no option of going down and that was a real low. But what made it quite funny was the fact that John was in his underpants because he couldn't walk in his trousers. So there was always that. But we kept walking around, we kept walking around, and eventually I saw some tire tracks, and that changed everything. That meant that a car had been up here, that meant there had been other humans up here for like recently. It meant that if there's a car there, there's a draw, there's a road, we can go back down it. We started following this path, we started following this path, and then eventually on the side of another mountain, we could see the Otto House. This massive, massive cabin. I've got a great picture of John walking towards it in his orange t-shirt and underpants um, with my trousers in his bag and he's, the, the first thing he said when he saw uh, the art house was can I have my trousers back please it's become a very different trip now and we're like celebrating that we've done it we got to the top and it was like a, a kilometre and a half that we travelled up it was crazy we ate food we then broke into one of the rooms so that we could have a little sleep in part of the restaurant that wasn't being used and then uh, went down the cable car way that we intended to go up in the first place and just had this amazing experience where you know we'd been through every single emotion I, I can think of where we were you know loving what we were to hating where we were to panicking and then relief we'd been through the whole spectrum has actually kind of inspired me to do another trip that um, uh, I'm going to do next year which is cl to climb Kilimanjaro yeah because of my love for, for climbing which I never knew I had before um, and this different kind of adventure. That was Sean Whitehead with Somebody Alp Me. Sean, thank you so much for that story. I enjoyed it so much, man. That was amazing. No problem, no problem. It's um, such an I, adventure. No, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed retelling it. Um, it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those stories that kind of live with me for a long time. So it's nice to share it with other people. Mm. And that always seems to happen when you reach a kind of a high or a low, uh, but a, a dramatic high or low, uh, depending on, it, it doesn't even matter which one it is, but when one of those happens, it stays with you for such a long time. And I reckon it affects you in all of your decisions that you make after that incident. Now, a weird one is after that extreme low, you decided now that you're going to climb Kilimanjaro. How did that come about? Well, um, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed the climb the, the the climbing part. The part that I didn't really enjoy was the um the, like the not like, knowing. Like, no, the, um, like it being so unsafe. It mm. being so unsafe. And that was part like you know, it's easy to walk a path 
um, you know, you do all the time. It's easy to walk a trail. You know, I grew up in quite a rural area, you know, walking around in, in like little woods and things like that. I've always been something that I've done. But when that path is on the edge of a cliff, then that changes things. It's the same task, of course, but, you know, and you can obviously try and maintain that mindset. But, you know, when the risk is so high, that's, that's what really freaked me out. It, you know, changed everything for me. And, uh, you know, it meant that something that was really easy to do, which was just walk in a straight line, became paralyzing for me. And that, um, you know, that, that really, that, that was the kind of big thing for me. But the actual climbing itself and, like, the trek um, was, was fun. You know, I really enjoyed walking. I really enjoyed the, the views and the kind of, uh, the task of getting somewhere. You know, I really enjoyed that. Mm, yeah. Now, I was going to ask, what would you have done in that situation had John not been there to coach you through? But John left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if I, 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 I would have turned back, I think, 100%. Really? Yeah, I would have. Would that um, have been safe? I don't know if I'd have got that far. Anyway, oh, I see, in the first place. Yeah, I, I don't know if the fact that there was two of us and we're doing it, I think I might have gone, this is a bit sketchy. I don't know if I enjoy this, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean. but there's kind of, I don't know if this is true of everyone, but, um, you know, particularly like when, when there's two guys walking somewhere or doing something, it might come and become, start to become unsafe for a little while before any of you mention it. Yes. You know, yes, before, it's exactly acknowledged, what you mean. before it's acknowledged. Um, but you know, it got to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, keep it anymore. You yeah, know. no one wants to be the first guy to say, mate, you sure this is safe, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who wants to be that guy? Yeah, no one wants to be that guy, but everyone I, should be that guy. <laughs> definitely that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be that guy now and again, now and again. Now, John is an interesting character, and I think John would be a good archetype and a good person to kind of be like in the way that, not only the way that he travels, but in the way that he looks at life and in the way that he acts in life. He kind of takes he kind of does what he wants to do and takes from life what he wants how would you describe john to our listeners and how do you reckon the character of john could be applied to their traveling life um he is a i suppose a go-getter so if he wants to do something you know he's interested in a lot of different things um he just he doesn't have excuses to why he won't go and do it. You know, he doesn't allow them to kind of creep in. And I think that's, that's what holds a lot of people back in not just, um, traveling, but you know, many avenues of their existence is too easy to make an excuse not to do something. And, um, you know, he's just someone that would never do that. So, um, you know, I think when you're traveling, it's too easy to say, no, I'm not going to do that thing. You know, but if, if, if it is something that you want to do, just just make make room for it. Do it, you know. Change your plans, whatever you need to do. And another thing that um, myself and him do is, you know, as much as we can budget, we budget. But um, the other thing is I'd rather have no money in England or wherever you live than have no money on the trip, you know. And I think sometimes we just have to make those decisions where it might be uncomfortable when we get back, but, you know, making a sacrifice in order to go, to do something when you're away and taking taking. That opportunity because it's there 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to, um, in one of the previous episodes, I was talking to Daniel Venn. He used to be a pro, uh, semi-pro baseball player, and he made the observation that it's far easier to get into traveling, to go traveling, and to take that dream, tri- dream trip if you don't think about it too much and you just book it. And I think that is kind of a catalyst to acting like John in a way. He doesn't think about it too much. If he wants something, he'll just go and make it happen and do it and make it so that it has to happen. And I think doing that and just booking it and getting it all out of the way so you have to do it is a really, really good way of making that happen. What do you think about that, man? No, I, I mean, some things, I do think some things need planning, you know. Oh, of but, course, um, yeah. You know, but um, of course, if, if you, like I said, if you, if you want to get something, you, you just make those steps in the direction that takes you there, you know, um, whatever it might be. And I think um, a lot of the things that um, we do when we travel together, and it's been quite a few times, is we, we decide those things when we get there. You know, mm-hmm. we get there, have a look around, and then, um, like, even for, the, for, for this example, we wanted to go to the Alps, um, but the, the, the trip that we took completely changed. You know, it was just completely different to what we had planned on or thought we'd planned on. You know, when we got there, there was just an opportunity and we took it. And, you know, uh, now we have a story <laughs> to tell. <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much, dude. This is great. Yeah, man. Take care and um, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good one. For every uphill, there's going to be a downhill. You know, there's a way, there's a way back for all the hard work that you're putting in. There's going to be uh, the benefit of uh, the journey down. That's just something that I remind myself of not just in traveling and, and in, not just experience of this, but, but in life in general. Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at Travel Stories UK or online at travelstoriespodcast.com where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories Podcast.